0: Hello and welcome to my podcast Sit back and relax While you listen to me, Ryan French Talk with experts in business As we explore the inner crevices of our minds And how this relates to peak performance Now during my adolescence I was engaged in damaging and destructive behaviours That saw me get arrested several times And eventually a dishonourable discharge from the military At that point in my life I had two options. One was to continue along this damaging and destructive path and the other was to accept that I needed help and seek recovery. Fortunately, I took the second option. Now, throughout this time, boxing was my passion and I received my professional boxer's license in 2016, but I got injured in my third fight and was strongly advised not to box again. Now whilst this experience presented challenges and difficulties it was also the catalyst for something better. I now work with business owners and senior team members helping them to be more resilient, optimistic and high performing in the workplace whilst creating a life that generates more fulfillment. The purpose of this podcast is to help people who might be going through similar challenges to help you find solutions to your problems whilst creating a life that generates much more happiness. For more information on my one-to-one or team coaching programmes or workplace seminars, head over to my website, hittingtargetslimited.com. That's hittingtargetsltd.com. Please like, subscribe and share. Hello, and welcome back. It's me, your host, Ryan French. And today, I was joined by a very inspirational man, Ian Finch. I challenge you not to be inspired by what you're about to listen to. But before that, some promo stuff from me. Head over to my Instagram profile, Ryan French Hitting Targets, to find some motivational content and to help you feel more fulfilled. Or check out my website, to find out more about my executive coaching program where I help business owners have ha- happier staff members who actually enjoy their time in the office. Also, take a look at my personal training services. I can help you to set a goal and design a bespoke program to help you actually get there. Now, strap yourself in as we head into today's podcast with Ian Finch, where we chat about how being close to nature can have a significant impact on your stress levels passion and how you can find yours and some fascinating adventure tales delighted to have uh, ian finch today um he's got there's so much stuff that this man's done it would take me absolutely ages to go through everything but me and ian have known each other for about it's, it's got to be about 10 years now and yeah. um, we've uh, both delivered outdoor fitness sessions over in london um but before you were delivering sessions ian you was a royal marine yeah. wasn't you mate that's right yeah. um so, let's, uh, I'll introduce you, instead of me talking, um, out, over to you, mate.
1: So, yeah, so I'm currently a, a photographer, like an outdoor adventure photographer. Yeah. Um, and I'd probably say a journalist as well. So I, I incorporate awesome. the, two, the those two things in any, any sort of walk of life that I do. So if I travel I, I go on expeditions and stuff like that, I always um, do my best to photograph and, and, and tell a story of where I am and the people that I'm with that's kind of really what I'm most passionate about yeah um, Yeah.
0: I've looked over um, I was looking through your, your website and looking at the pictures that you've got on there and, and, and the blog that you've done is mm-hmm. just awesome like the words I, remember I, I was reading through the blog and I got the feeling that I was there with you I mean is that something that you've just taught yourself as a writer or is it something that you went and learned how to write. I mean how do you do that?
1: No, I've I've never had any formal training in any like creative thing I've ever done. So wow. um when I was at school I always loved Shakespeare, I always loved um like writing and English and words and that kind of thing. And it was probably when I was at school, apart from like the the, the physical realm, it was one of the most things that I was naturally always naturally inclined towards yeah. is writing and words so I used to write poetry and stuff like that but
0: I like writing poetry as well yeah I love writing poetry yeah Yeah. I mean
1: it's it's like if that's your form of expression then that's Mm. that's good but writing um yeah was one of the things that I just enjoyed doing and how I developed that was by I always loved the outdoors I always loved mountains I always loved like forests and woodlands and that kind of thing um and I would take like drive to Wales Scotland Lake District on my own um, because I didn't have any real friends at that time that wanted to go into the mountains and that kind of stuff and I would just do a hike and then come back and write about it and we're talking nine years ago maybe that long and just write about it and take photographs on my phone so never with a DSLR Um, although I had a DSLR I was just too scared to use it I didn't know how to use it so I used my phone so a DSLR is Is the big big camera Ah yeah right, okay um, and it 's funny how you say that oh. I, you felt that you was there with me. That is something I always say to people about when I write that 's what I try to do. I try right. to put you in my shoes. I want yeah. you to feel the rain that i 'm feeling. I mm. want you to smell the, the the landscape or the coast that i 'm feeling or smelling or I want your senses to be part of my senses yeah, right. when I write that I write descriptively like that so i 'm very good at writing about things that. I've experienced, yeah. but things I haven't experienced, I, I struggle. I slow down, oh, okay. so yeah. I'm very good at writing about like the visceral, real things that yeah. happen.
0: Yeah, because I um, I I was reading I was, one of your blogs talk about dogs, and you, yeah. you brought up a dogs, right? Yeah, we got a, a golden retriever. We've just yeah. we've got a ten month old golden retriever, um, and. So is that was that a massive part of you getting outside as a as a kid because you had dogs, you was always out and about in the in the outdoors?
1: Yeah, I suppose I suppose you could look at look at it like that. I mean we my dad was an outdoorsman, so my dad was a, a fisherman, a hunter, a shooter. Wow. We had two black Labradors, so he would take them out all the time at the weekend shooting pigeons. Yeah. Um and he introduced me to fishing and we would go fishing all the time. So probably my exposure to the outdoors and being comfortable with terms of like getting up early and mm. the, the, the the temperature changes or the weather changes and sitting there all day not doing a huge amount of fishing. Yeah that I was comfortable with that and yeah. I got comfortable with it because I was with my dad, you know? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't always fun mm. but I guess I just got used to being out outdoors. Mm. Um, but you do that subconsciously when you're that young, you don't know why you're doing it or you don't know why you're enjoying it, you're just doing it because you're with your dad. Yeah. And he's trying to Nurture his enjoyment of the outdoors which was fishing mm. through me mm. but I never got into shooting funnily enough even though I was a marine I never got into shooting as he, as he did like shooting pigeons or anything like that mm. I've only shot with him probably twice in my whole life really yeah wow. so but the problem is my it's one of those things that might die with my dad because my brother has never shot ah, wow. even though I'm quite comfortable with like weapons and stuff like yeah. that um, yeah it's not something that we've never never really taken on so yeah. that probably will Thinking about it, I might die with him. Uh, that side yeah. of things, which is yeah. a shame. But it, yeah, but
0: yeah, I think you, know. you got you, you, you develop your own interests as well, though, don't you? Um, you do, yeah. Because yeah. like my um, my dad's massive into like en- anything of an engine, and my dad is there. <laughs> but my um, and me as a kid, I was I was like that. I followed my dad like motorbikes, being outside on a motorbike. I loved it. My brother is like opposite. Like doesn't care yeah, about motorbikes. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and and actually like not sure I'll get my son on my bike, because like, I'm not really into that at the moment, and I don't know if that will grow again, but...
1: Are you mechanically minded?
0: Not really, no. no. Is Any, your brother? Or no. Or no, an
1: engineering no. side of things? No?
0: no, not really. No, like, um, anything that goes wrong with my, with my car,
1: Dad, I'm <laughs> like on the phone,
0: Dad, can you fix my car? Yeah. <laughs> so, you mentioned earlier, um, like you said about the Marines again, and um, which um, i will be. I'm interested just to explore about your time in the Marines and how whether joining the Marines was like a natural progression because you enjoyed being outside. Was that it, what how did that happen, like the idea to join the Marines?
1: Um so I'd left school and I didn't really have any form of direction. I yeah. worked insurance. All right. I worked in loads you know, loads of different things, just trying to find my place and do yeah. you know. but I'd always at school I'd always been an athlete, football, rugby, basketball. Yeah. Um I was just good with my body in terms yeah. of athletically okay yeah. with my body. Yeah. Um and then I loved routine in terms of I loved going to the gym every day or running every day. Right. So when I joined the Marines, it was I love the idea of training for it, so like running that five miles every day, doing that 200 press-ups a day, or whatever it was when I was, you know, 20. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to join something, or join a, a, a unit, uh, a, uh, a group of people in some camaraderie situation, yeah. and I think I needed that, and I wanted that, because yeah. I didn't have a humongous group of friends, in terms of like a big social group mm. so I kind of I was looking for that camaraderie of some sort yeah. and the Marines was not my first choice it was kind of yeah, the yeah. army was my first choice or that structure was my first choice yeah. but then I was like thinking if I'm going to do it I've got to do it properly I've got it, to do it, it, go it, to the top Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I just I, I went and along and it, I hesitated for a year about joining because I was probably scared of it ultimately yeah, yeah. scared of like that commitment and yeah. the physicality of it and then I decided to join, but then once I joined, I loved the idea of training for like the selection course, nice. and then yeah. when I got in, um, in terms of into the tr- like the training program, like the nine month training course, I just loved the idea of having something to do every day that was yeah. physical and mental yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But even then, I knew that it was never gonna be a career. Even, in, even when I was in training, I was like, I'm gonna do four or five years of this, mm. and then I'll probably move on to the next thing, see what the next thing is. And I was, was going to go like special forces um, which I didn't but uh, I wanted to because it was just that next challenge just another challenge another mm-hmm. goal mm-hmm. something to try and push yourselves towards um, and I don't really know why I was always drawn towards that goal just the next thing the yeah, next yeah, thing yeah. I've got to do something else and it, and it's now it's still I'm still doing it I'm still doing it the the the, the marines was just like manifestation of yeah. One way of doing that, achieving that. Yeah. And nowadays, I'm still, okay, what can I do next that's going to have an impact? What can I do next that's going to change somebody's life? Or what can I do next that's going to tell a story? Nice. Yeah. I'm still like that. Mm. Like just looking for something to follow. Just eager to find out things, share them, Nice. help people, yeah. like educate people. It
0: s- seems to me like you're very goal-orientated. Yeah, like, the there's, there's always a goal. Yeah. You, you get one goal and it's like... Because I'm exactly the same. Like I get a goal and I'm like, well, what next? Because mm. it's dangerous for me if I don't do that. Because mm. when I... Um, I don't know, mate. I, I could sit here for hours and try and retrospectively analyse it. But I think a large part of <clears throat> the reason for... So I, when I was in training, we spoke before we started recording. When I was in training for the army, I got kicked out. I got kicked out once I got through... So I was in, after training, about a year after I finished my training, I I, I got kicked out. But um, I got through training, i done really well in training. So I had this goal. I remember standing there, a platoon sergeant standing in front of all of these new recruits, explaining the awards that were on offer and the two highest awards, because I, I was a Royal Green Jacket, so we could also get a best wifeman and also best recruit. And I remember hearing those words, and I was able to get both of those. So I was like, obsessed. I'm getting those two awards. Like, mm-hmm. And I just worked obsessively every mm-hmm. day, going above and beyond. And then when I achieved them, I didn't set another goal. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have had this instinctive, just, i suppose, yearning, I suppose, mm-hmm. to always be setting new goals. But at that point in my life, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. It was like, Oh yeah, well it's done now. Let's mm-hmm. have some fun, and 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 unfortunately, that's what I did. But it's part of my experience now. But anyway, yeah. So this goal-oriented thing for me is something that's developed over time. Whereas it seems to me like it's sort of always been there. Is that right? Yeah,
1: not? yeah. I, I get. I, I look back and I think, like always been, like, like not disciplined in the terms of like that. That military discipline wasn't always in me, but that kind yeah. of. Like, if something needs to be done, I work out how to do it. So, for training for the Marines, I was like, right, I need to be doing like to pass the, the, the initial test to get in. I was gonna, I, I needed to do X amount of press ups, sit ups, run a certain distance, a certain time. Yeah, I would back engineer that and then be right today. Nice. I need to be running five miles, doing nice. 200 press ups, yeah. 150 sit ups. I need to do that five times a week, and I did that for six months before I even signed the, the dotted paper to even yeah. apply to join, so yeah. I knew where I needed to be. Yeah. So I have that kind of, well, I had at that time, that kind of discipline to mm-hmm. sort of that preemptive kind of uh, like preparation, I, I like to prepare and do things, and I like to plan things. And um,
0: It seems like it's quite intuitive for you. Have you read a book called um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People?
1: Yeah, Steve, Stephen Stephen Covey. Covey. Yeah. yeah, Stephen
0: Covey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've read parts of it. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, um, I think it's a second or third habit is begin with the end in mind, mm. and that's what you've done. Like mm. you had, like intuitively, you just knew. Well, that's the end. That's the end that I need to get to, and you work back from it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what yeah. a fundamental part of goal setting, isn't it? Yeah. And you just knew
1: that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. But that, that's I don't know where that came from, but it was to me it was. I don't know what I have no idea where that came from. Mm. I'm not even gonna try and explain it because yeah. I have no idea. It yeah. was just what I thought was the right way for me, which is not for everybody, but for me that was the right way of of, of achieving that, that specific goal of getting into the Marines and, yeah. and doing that job. Yeah. Um I guess there was you could you could go that, you know, I was trying I was ultimately you know, to impress my dad and yeah. get that kind of because yeah. it was always my dad's dream to join the Marines. And he never did. Right. Yeah. So the the, only, the the time that he when I passed out the day I passed out, he said that for the if I remember rightly, it was the first time he said he was proud of me. Oh, wow. So you know, probably deep down, yeah. that was the that was a driving force as well. You know, it's mm. it's something to do with acceptance. Yeah. Looking for acceptance of somebody or looking for recognition from somebody. Yeah. You know. Um, and then usually somewhat you know, a lot of the stuff people I've to, especially guys, they do have that when it comes to their dads. Yeah, Th- anything, look, yeah. they're looking for acceptance and yeah. capacity,
0: yeah. Yeah, like we was talking, weren't we, in the car on the way here and um like my dad was he settled conflicts with, with his fists, he'd have fights. And I remember seeing that as a kid and look, I'm not blaming my dad for one second whatsoever. My dad done the best he could with bring that he had and the circumstances that we're in, but I've seen my dad have fights with people and for me it was like well that's conflict conflict resolution that's how you deal with conflict resolution you don't like someone's you don't like something someone says to you you have a scrap and that's pretty much what set the benchmark for me dealing with conflict resolution up until the age of about 21 Um, but but when I got to the age of knowing better then I had a decision at that point so I'm not for one second continuing to blame my dad about it but Mm -hmm but then there was like this, what you're talking about This is acceptance. It's like, I remember someone would say something to me in a play, school playground or when I was out on the street and the way that they spoke to me, I, I would think to myself, what would my dad think if I'm letting this guy talk to me like that and I don't say anything or I don't do anything? Mm. So that had this like, yearning for acceptance. I think you're right. We, mm. Especially as blokes, as boys, you do, don't you? You have this, like you want, you want your dad to be proud of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, um, like the last few years, like you've been all over the place, haven't you? Like the last, uh, so you say nine years now you've been on these yeah. expeditions. Yeah, eight yeah, nine years. And I've and I've followed. Like, I mean, the last, like, the last, the last few years, I've been every every time that you're going away, posting on social media. I'm like reading what you're up to, and mm-hmm. it's it's really in, it's inspiring to see. Like, so you've been like the is it, the, is it, the, is it pronounced Yoken, Yoken? Yukon 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 River, Yukon yeah. River in Canada, mm-hmm. um, and, Alaska, and also. Yeah. And that 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 twelve hundred mile um trek with the uh, Cherokee yeah could you explain a little bit
1: about that yeah what? so the so the Yukon what well, to backtrack a little bit okay, yeah. every every expedition that I've done in the past sort of seven or eight years has a link to people the people oh. that live okay, yeah. where I go to so I'm I'm i always drawn again if I from my dad uh my my dad's interests when I was a kid it was Native Americans. So you used to have a cabinet at my mom and dad's house and they would have like arrowheads in it and books and all these kind of things. So as, as kind of a kid and growing up, I had an interest in, or I was drawn to that, again, maybe because my dad liked it. Um, so all of my, my trips now have this link to native cultures. So mm-hmm. I would go to like Greenland or Alaska or um, to the US with regards to the Cherokee and I would learn about how they lived but also what, what's happening to those cultures today so in oh, the modern world. Right. Also with the like the changing environment because a lot of the people, the native people, today in, in, in the remoter places, they still try and live off the land or they, they live linked to the land. So now obviously because of global warming yeah. and like cultural issues, like social issues, like drugs, alcohol, yeah. things like that, the cultures are slightly, you know, they're changing, they're evolving. Mm. So. I get I, I, I plan these long adventures but the vehicle f- for the adventure is the people wow. so I'm interested in people yeah. so because people are where the stories are so yeah. if ever you go travelling yeah. you always come back and you tell people stories yeah. it will always be about yeah. it's people that you've met yeah. like you know really interesting people or something like that um, so now whenever I go travelling in terms of to a remote place I always bring something back for my dad to put in that cabinet Wow. So, it, yeah. and I've, I've had orca tooths from Greenland that I've lost that I wanted to put in that cabinet. But things from like Tibet and um, every, so every trip I go and I bring in back like native beads or um, what's some of the other things like feathers and all, all stuff from the native people that I visited. One of the things I do is always bring back something to go in that cabinet. Wow. So maybe I want it or inherit that cabinet one day. Yeah. But it's, that's again, if you sort of back engineer that, maybe that's, me reaching out to my dad and saying I kind of I admire you yeah. you've given me this kind of seed of yeah. travel and something and I'm like putting my penny to yeah. that I'm adding my yeah. addition to that that may then get passed down through my side of the family or whatever so that I've, got, I've kind of often thought about that that it's his his inspiration but it could go back to that thing of try, always trying to impress your dad mm. that I am following the marines which he wanted to do and then my adventures are going towards native cultures which he always loved. Right. So if you look at kind of yeah. you look at that, that which I'm almost like unraveling as we're talking. Yeah. It's, it it could be again to impress him. Mm. Yeah, ultimately.
0: But I think reading the way that you write about being outside and how much you your passion for it oozes mm. through your writing so it's clear it is a passion for you mm-hmm. is that right
1: uh being outdoors yeah yeah it's something that like i need like I need it Like actually in fact i don't think you need anything in life i I want to be yeah. outside yeah I want I'm saying. to be outside yeah
0: um what does it do for you then when you're when you're you're outside in terms of particularly like um from a stress point of view because mm. I know people listening to this will be, some of most people listening to this will have office jobs and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be going to office and the only chance of going to do what you're talking about is maybe on weekends or maybe when they have only got holidays and they'll have this stressful situation they're always in. So what does it do for you just getting outside from a stress point of view, like a stress relieving point mm-hmm. of view?
1: Um, I go like walking and being in the outdoors is, like, is my meditation. Nice. And I've, I've like meditated before on and off, mm. um. But for me, walking is a med- definitely a meditation. It's mm. um, you're, you know, you're connecting to if you if you, if you're out there with a group of people, walking and talking, or you're on your own. You know, it's like you're connecting to something a little bit like greater. Yeah. We are part of nature. We're part of everything natural around <sighs> yeah. us. So when I go walking, um, it's just I think sometimes it's just to be silent. Oh, nice. It's to be um. To, to To stop the, the the kind of sensory overload, mm. which my life tends to generally be about, mm. is like sending people emails and chasing up stuff or yeah. planning projects where you're always online and doing this kind of thing. It's um and photography, so you're always on the on a piece of you know technology and yeah. editing pictures and. Yeah. Things like that so when I go walking for me it's just a time the chance to like detach yeah um, so you could say it's like in one way you're disconnecting but then at the same way you're connecting yeah to oh, yeah to Probably something better. yeah just yeah. to, to, to yeah. something else and um. and I'm inspired by nature like nature is like why I, I love taking pictures of people how they're interacting with nature so every picture that I take if I'm on an adventure or I do any like brand photography or anything like that it's always of people connecting and doing something within the outdoors right so I'm kind of being creative which is always really at the core of everything that I do is about creativity mm. but there is that overall thread of, of, of being outdoors and I, I think I only realised how much I needed to be outdoors was when um, 2015 I was in the Himalayas and I got really really ill like mm. seriously ill wow. Um, and like, what I happened? happened. What, what was the, what was the illness? So we're traveling across Tibet and we've gone up to some like serious altitude. And then we were, um, on the Nepal side of the Himalayas and we were climbing and I got like a really bad, like gastro virus, oh. like super bad, like, really bad. Um, and I was being sick and I had diarrhea, so nothing was staying in. Mm. Um, and in like two or three days I'd eaten like two digestive biscuits and like a slice of toast. And we are still climbing at altitude, wow. and I couldn't keep water in me. So, when you're at altitude, obviously you obviously need to keep food in, water in, because mm. of altitude sickness mm. and everything like that. And well, I kept climbing, mm. I kept going, and it was that that was the marine in me at that point mm. where, yeah, just keep going, you'll be fine. Yeah. But I was obviously 10 years older, body's not as sharp, not as strong. Mm. Um, and then on the way down, so I'd got to the height we needed to get to, wow. and then on the way down, that's when I got severe altitude sickness and severe like dehydration and exhaustion that all came on um like, super really fast in the space of like an hour. Wow. And then it messed up the balance system in my inner ear. So for for your for your eye for your balance system to be working correctly your eyes and your ears work in tandem. Yeah. And what might happen to mine was they were both out of sync and there was a possibility they thought there was a possibility that my uh, the fluid in my inner ear changed like consistency so that changed that sort of the, the, the movement of the hairs inside the yeah, ear yeah. so I have up even now even today I have vertigo yeah
0: I've got that as well yeah I've got vertigo from my last fight yeah yeah it's, it's yeah it can, it can be awful
1: yeah it can be yeah. debilitating yeah. but mine is a visual vertigo so it's linked to my eyes not now to my ears ah, so cool. when my eyes are tired I, my, the, the that link slows down so I get little, little wobbles basically of yeah. vertigo, yeah. but the thing was when I came back from the Himalayas because I was so exhausted my iron levels were so low and I was probably running at like 30% I was like, I need to get out I need to stay outside, I need to keep walking so then, there's a local woodland, a very old woodland 10 minute walk from where I live, so I thought right, that is going to be my entry level back into being back outdoors so I would walk around this woodland daily three miles every day just walk walk it walk it and then as that over so this Himalaya incident happened in December January and I was continuing to walk three or four times a week over sort of spring and autumn and what I saw was that even though I wasn't really getting physically stronger fast I was starting to understand the changes in this woodland So I was starting to understand the colour changes, the flower changes, because it was coming into spring. I was understanding um, new plants that were growing that I'd never seen before when I walked in this this woodland. Now, I teach people about trees, forests, woodlands, the changes of the seasons and the cycles of the seasons. So now I see that I needed to go through that process in the Himalayas to go into that woodland and spend that time walking in that woodland to lead me to where I am now where I have that small business where I teach people about the outdoors and nature and things like that. So instead of having like a negative energy towards that incident, I now have a positive energy because it led me to that that place where I am
0: now. I'm with you all the way because that's exactly how I feel about my injury and actually how I feel about getting discharged from the military as well from failing a drug test because um, had those things not happened I wouldn't have been forced to one face the behaviour that I was getting involved in and start my journey in recovery and also had I not got injured in boxing I wouldn't be doing that what I'm doing now with businesses helping them to be the best version of themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm really with you like that paradigm shift so looking at a, a, a seemingly negative situation but flipping it around and, and turning it into mm. a positive that's a really powerful tool it's isn't perspective. it? Perspective it's yeah, perspective. All perspective. Def- yeah, definitely. Like, it's not about what happens to me. It's about how I react to what happens. It's mm-hmm. my perspective on what happens mm-hmm. that will determine how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, um, I'm, I mean, we've I've got a, a general run uh, structure of how yeah, I was going to go through just it. But, wear anything, huh? um, <laughs> so, we we were talking earlier about um, the many expeditions that you've been on. Is there any expedition that particularly sticks out
1: in your mind? Um, yeah, the the one down the Yukon was the most transformational for me because right. at that point I had I, I travelled to a few places and, 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 and met people and got the stories and lived with people like native cultures and stuff like that but that was my first three month trip away where I had to plan and organise and put together a team and... Um and do a three month expedition in a place one of the most remotest places, you know, aside from like Siberia and stuff like that. You know, it's Alaska. So wow. I had to find team members. Um, I had to understand. How did you do that?
0: How did you where did you So find I knew
1: from for that. So so to give you a rundown, of the expedition the expedition was to paddle. The whole length of the Yukon River, which is two thousand miles. Yeah, I remember
0: following it, and I remember looking at the pictures that you're posting and where you was at, and there was that storm as well, wasn't there? When you yeah. was you was on the road, there was a massive storm as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about interrupted.
1: Um, and at that point, I was taking pictures, but not to the point of where I thought um they 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 would be like magazine worthy or anything like that. Wow. So, uh, there's a website called Explorers Connect. And this website, um, a a friend of mine called Belinda, she runs it, and it's kind of like a one-stop hub for everything adventure, so you can find mountain leaders, photographers, medics, everything on this website, and you can put your expeditions on this website, and then you find teammates, or you can join a team. So I put an advert on there, and I found a girl from uh, Quebec called Caroline, she was an adventure filmmaker and I wanted someone to film the trip. Nice. Um, she later like became my girlfriend oh, after, really? Yeah. via, via wow, that trip. That's yeah. amazing. But um so I found her and then I thought, right, I want a photographer. And then there was a guy who I'd been following for a couple of years and I messaged him and I said, look, dude, your photography is incredible. So I wanted someone with an objective view of the trip, not me being within the photographing within the trip. I wanted someone to look from the outside in. Mm. So I contacted this guy and he was a really well-known photographer and I said, look, would you meet us at certain points along the way? I've got no money to give you whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and he just was like, no, but I will come along for the whole trip if you'll have me. So I was like, okay, you're in. Yeah, nice. So we had three, but we needed four. So Caroline um, knew a guy called Martin, mm. another guy from Quebec in Montreal, and he had, he had canoed across Canada. So before that trip, I'd had six one-hour canoe lessons, and I would canoed a hundred-mile river in the UK. Wow. Caroline had never sat, never sat in a canoe. Yeah. Jade had never sat in a canoe, <laughs> yeah. and Martin had been yeah. canoed across Canada, so he was the only one with some real experience. Yeah. And then we're paddling one of the most, one of the most strongest, longest rivers wow. in probably in the world. Wow! So there's a level of stupidity. There's a level of um. Uh, Just taking the bull by the horns and going for it. Um, There's a level of like planning, like uh, mitigating risks, Mm -hmm. doing all this kind of stuff. But what drove that that journey was it was a passion project. It's Mm -hmm. something I'd always wanted to do: is to go travel a long distance and learn about the people of the river over a long time, rather than go for three weeks, two weeks. It was like a long experience where you could, over time, just gather information and meet people and learn just continually, continually, continually. Mm and yeah, it took us uh, three months to get all the way. So we, we we flew on a plane to the source of the river. I struck the canoes to the side of the plane, and then flew the plane to the source of the river. Like someone flew us. Yeah. Yeah. God, and then, that is and then, awesome. Yeah, it was crazy, and and then we paddled. We spent three months paddling all the way, and we interviewed like Native Alaskan healers, totem pole carvers, people that fish on the, like fish on the river, like subsistence fishermen.
0: Where can we find this? Um, this is
1: on, this will be on my website, which ah, is right, okay. com. Yeah, all right, cool. Um, and then halfway through that trip, a guy from a magazine, which is called Sidetracked Magazine, he contacts us and he says, look, we've been following you, this is just outrageous, some of the, the, the pictures that you've been shown, and also the story. Like the, the story is, is nice. really interesting, it's something different. Um, and he said, look, when you come back, submit the pictures, um, and we'll talk about it. we going in like a, a big magazine article. Which I'd never even um thought of that,, mm. and it was only when I started to think of like right this because this story is not about me, it's about other people, mm. and you're you're educating and you're inspiring and helping other people understand other situations in the world this becomes intimately far more interesting, yeah, um so it was after I felt that, I felt that I had this kind of like um renewed sense of energy that on that trip I was doing the right thing, that someone nice. had taken notice of it. I was nice. like, this is interesting, you know, keep keep just keep going. Yeah. And it was just my goal to to film and interview these native people and understand their link to the river nice. and the landscape. Nice. Because it's changing, because of the environment and the climate and everything is changing. And all sort of sort of the cultural and social issues happening to native people. There that whole that whole landscape is changing. So I was very interested in finding out about what what is happening out there in Alaska beside that river
0: yeah so uh, we spoke about it a few times now so are you saying that the, so this like transformation that happened was this um, realisation that actually that the passion is the story about the people telling the that's, story right, of the people that's yeah. what you were discovered yeah. about yourself learning about how much you're passionate about that part of it
1: but it's, it's also about their connection to the landscape right, so yeah Because ultimately, I guess I'm searching for my own connection to my own landscape in some way. It may not be a natural landscape, it might be my inner landscape. I'm looking for, maybe understanding in that realm. So I go in search of people to listen to, to talk to, to try and understand, to sort of imply those values that they have about the universe, the trees, the forest, the animals, the river, the connection, the universal connection in all of them. I'm looking to understand that. And, I, and because native people have for thousands, tens of thousands of years lived from the landscape and understood the landscape, intimately understood the landscape, um, I'm fascinated by that, and that's really truly what I go and search for. I love hearing like, creation stories, understanding how, how they uh, understand they, they, they came to be in that area. Um, so I'm just, I think there's just a, a search for understanding it seems to me like listening to you um, I
0: don't know if you would describe it this way but uh, it's a kind of spiritual mm-hmm. part of what you're talking about like, especially like this, this concept because I agree with you by the way that we're all connected like, the whole part of this universe we're mm-hmm. part of the trees me and you are part of the same vessel the same mm-hmm. organism like, can you just maybe give us a little bit more insight into maybe your spiritual journey in travelling and how those two intertwine, if at all?
1: Um, as in spiritual journey, as in
0: as in like on expeditions, and because I'm I'm assuming that that evolved more, like your eyes. Personal growth, kind of. Yeah, thing. like as yeah, like but also as well, like the way you're describing the river, the animals, the trees, and the universe, more mm-hmm. connected. Mm-hmm. Was that something that that evolved more the more you've done these expeditions or is it something that you've always believed um,
1: that's a good question um, I've always that's something, it's something that's definitely developed and, 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 and being reinforced after doing all these ah, these wow. trips hearing people talk about the landscape and things like that and I've read I've read books I've since read books about you know t- trees and forests, which I which I love. Yeah, yeah. I really do love um, yeah. learning about how trees and forests, it, everything is connected. Yeah. Um. What books were they? That's one of them's called The Hidden Life of Trees. Hidden Life of Trees. Which right. talks about how yes. tree, how you know t- across all the species of trees, everything's connected and mm. um, how everything works together. Or depart, you know apart from uh, sorry, everything works together, even though the species are different of trees yeah. I, I, I kind of like those metaphors in terms of how we should see everybody on uh, the planet no really. I agree we should all work together regardless of yeah. religion yeah. race stuff like that I'm completely with you yeah, yeah I really agree um, but I think I think the these trips the expeditions that I go on them like people ask a lot of the time like why do why do you do them and I tell them the story about the, the, the storytelling and the people which is which is the the driving force but I'm looking for i guess some great greater understanding of something yeah um like wh- whenever i hear like native music and native voices singing that that stirs something in my soul which and this is going to be a new project that i'm working on so nice. next next year is going to be the start of maybe like a two or three year project where i visit a, an island tribe and na- a desert tribe jungle tribe and various groups of cult- cultures and I'm going to understand the musical um, link between all of them, so wow. what they use music for what instruments they use music for, how yeah. they tell stories through music, um, and then I'm going to visit each one and connect the dots on how because everybody's moved by music music is yeah. mathematics, mathematics oh, is part of the universe yeah. so you know m- music goes deep into the soul mm. so when you listen to music you know it gives you goosebumps it makes you cry it makes you happy yeah. so the music has the ability to do a lot but what I want to understand is why these uh, why uh, native cultures or remote cultures music is really at the centre of a lot of them yeah. and the community is at the centre of a of, lot of them so I want, I want to try and understand that a little bit more nice. so because I also when I left school I, I studied sound engineering oh, and okay. music production yeah. so that that the seed of that is, is in this next project? Yeah. Um. But I've yeah I've definitely become a different person since i have gone on these trips. I've grown a lot. I've understood a lot. I've probably become a lot more like compassionate and understanding yeah. Yeah. by going on these trips. Um. And a lot more like environmentally aware as well. To, to how these people live in some of these really difficult places and remote places. So the, um, passions come up quite a lot today, mm-hmm. and
0: I'm I I, I think passion for me is what gives me purpose mm-hmm. if I'm doing what I'm passionate about then that's what is my purpose in life it gives me a real sense of fulfilment anyone who isn't doing something that they're passionate about at the moment is there anything that you could maybe some tips that you might be able to give them to maybe find their passion or explore their passion um,
1: I think for me pa- passion is a result passion is a, passion is a result of doing something you love you become passionate because you're doing something you love or you're um Reading about exploring something that you love. Um I think to to for me, it took a long time to understand what I was passionate about. There's because if you, if you think about what am I passionate about, there could be loads of so yeah. many different things. Yeah. It's like asking someone, what would your dream job be? Yeah. You'd, you'd be like, well, I'd like to do this and I'd like yeah. to do that. You know, b- b- boiling that down to one thing nowadays is pretty is pretty tough. Um. But passion, if, if people want to learn or understand what they're passionate about, I'd say what do you surround yourself with? Mm. So what books do you surround yourself with? Mm. What films do you surround yourself with? What do you read about most? What do you mm. think about most? Yeah, that's
0: the big one, I think, as well, the thinking about. Because a yeah. lot of
1: this like, age
0: that we're in, a lot of people think about what they want to do. But you alluded to it earlier, like fear. Like fear stopped you for a little while joining the Marines, but mm. then you just did it. Like, I think fear a lot of the time stops people doing what they really want to do because mm-hmm. this oh well, I've got to pay the rent or which is fine I get it I'm not saying that we'd have to mm-hmm. do those things but I think fear's got a lot to answer for do you know what I mean like, this is a blocker that stops people actually
1: moving forward yeah, that's right yeah and it's they they, they say that, you know like fear is a, is a future imagined emotion so it's something like if you're scared of flying you're not necessarily scared of flying you're scared of crashing yeah you're yeah. if you you're scared of um getting in a relationship. It might not be the fact that you're scared of being in a relationship. You're scared of being hurt. Yeah. So there's there's it's things that happen or things that ask um potentially things you're 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 scared or you're fearful or things that may happen. Yeah. Um. And it's easy to say, don't be scared, don't be you know, don't be this, don't be that. But I think it's a natural a natural emotion to be to be fearful of certain yeah. things because it yeah. stops you being hurt. It stops. Yeah. Um, stops you going into situations that are uncomfortable. Definitely. But you have to go out there and get it. You know, you have to go after stuff, and you have to go out, go after things in life, and you have to push through that fear. But it's easy for me to say that because I've done that, and I've also stepped back because of fear. So, um, I've, I've, you know, I've done things in my life, or have, there's things I haven't done in my life because I'm scared of them, yeah. or physically maybe or mentally or, or emotionally you don't go to places because you're fearful of it um but i think you've got to be like okay what what are you scared of exactly truly what are you scared of yeah and understand what it is you're scared of
0: so you said so if someone is on that on that on the brink they're they're going backwards and forwards to the line of i'm ready to make a change but they they retreat from that line because the mm. fear comes and someone who keeps maybe touching that line of fear but then retreating from it mm what would you because you, you're saying you just you get to that point and you just you just do it yeah you face the fear and you push through it yeah most of the time that's what you've done yeah
1: yeah, not all the time but sometimes yeah yeah so yeah. what
0: actually that's not a bad point actually so the times when you haven't done it yeah what what stopped you doing it
1: the unknown ah uh, right okay the unknown um, yeah. people like well I personally I can only speak for myself you like to be able to see maybe what's coming. Mm. If, 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 when, like I'm scared of and I'm fearful of public talking. Oh. So oh. I've done public talks but I'm bloody scared of public talks. Right. So the first one I ever did was to 200 people, it was ridiculous. Now I've done that, <laughs> yeah. I'm even more scared. <laughs> it, that's so counterintuitive, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm more scared. The yeah. first time I was just like, oh, this will be fine. I had a couple of drinks and bang, I was, I was okay. Now I'm, uh, I'm scared of public talking. Mm-hmm. And like, but I know that for me to be able to share my story, I've got to step up on that yeah. stage. Yeah. I want, and there's so much that I want to share. Same, there's The voice that I have, I just want to be able to tell stories and show people what's mm-hmm. there in the world and what's happening. Yeah. And for me to be able to do that, I've got to step on that metaphorical stage yeah. and, and hold a microphone mm-hmm. and bear your soul because a lot, a lot of the time, especially if using the, the public talking as a metaphor, I'm afraid of what people might think of me. Yeah, I'm definitely. afraid of what they think about my knowledge yeah. or that it might be not good enough or yes. I might be not intelligent enough or yes. I might be too cockney sounding or I might be mm-hmm. um, uh, nervous. And I'm scared that people will see that in me, because mm. I, I will be scared up on that stage. I mm. will be nervous. I will be saying mm. things that I probably wish I hadn't said. Yeah. But the, the point is that deep down, there's something I want to share, and, and, and I want to, and I will get up on that stage mm. and do it, no matter whether I look a complete idiot or not. Yeah because because so
0: you're saying, you'll have the fear. But you'll do it anyway. Yeah. So your your yeah. the fear will be there. That's what I think it is really nice. will always be there. That's what's really nice because I I'm completely with you on that. Like I I experience fear every day. Like fear is something that's always there. But it's <laughs> the, I acknowledge that it's there because um, I read something once. What you resist persists. Mm-hmm. So if I resist it, then it's gonna it's gonna stay there. Yeah. And it's gonna hold me back. But if I just accept it, acknowledge it, right? The fear's there. Let's just go. Yeah. Just, just do it. Mm-hmm. So, just maybe, just have the fear, but just act. Just mm-hmm. put the action in any way, and just. Yeah. yeah,
1: but in I would say, do it in little like little steps. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like just do like, do like small increments. If if, if if public speaking metaphorically is your um ma- major fear, then speak in front of one person like we're doing yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and speak in front of two, and then speak yeah, yeah. in front of five and ten and twenty and a hundred. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's. It's the fear ultimately is the fear of being judged, that's what that's what for me it is. Definitely. Um, but it could be anything from like if, when I take people on expeditions, like the past weekend, I took a group of five on like a, a mini expedition. Um, and one What's of the good? ladies uh, was in the Cotswolds, we did a oh. big hike and a wild camp in the Cotswolds. And one of the ladies was, I was scared of like, the tent bit blowing down, or i was scared of the weather and stuff like that. Mm. Now, when we went up there and she's seen what it's like to walk a whole day, to stay the night in a tent, mm. and, and be, everything be fine, she's now gonna go out and take her kids out, and she might not go to the, um, go to the, the level of what we did, or she might not go to the mountains, but she might go to a campsite in the Lake District where it's, there, there's structure and safety there, and she'll take her kids there, and she would have crossed that boundary, but That's, in her own way, in her yeah, own incremental way. Definitely, yeah. Um, but the thing is, I think a lot of the time, fear is built up in the mind, we, we create that fear oh, by overthinking yeah, I agree with you yeah. and a lot of the time I say to people that as an example of that lady who was in the tent I'm like what is the worst that can happen I'm 50 feet away in a tent the wind is not going to blow this tent down but what is the worst that can happen you're not going to die up here on top of this hill yeah. the rain is not going to kill you yeah. so what are you actually worried about yeah. a lot of time people are like I don't know I don't know it's, it's just I'm in a tent and it yeah. sounds loud Yeah. but what's the worst that can happen
0: but talking about, um, we've mentioned it a few times about like stress and the relationship between stress and being outside. Mm. And being outside, I mean, there's loads of literature out there with, which shows a clear link or positive correlation between reducing stress levels and being outside. Like, so when you're outside close to nature, being, like being, even just seeing pictures. I read one study where they were just showing one group pictures of nature and one group... Uh, both, both uh, groups were stressed and both um, and the, the people that were shown the pictures were shown to have significantly reduced levels of stress just by looking at pictures mm. so what um, just say there's a, there's a company who are dealing with what, a pe- person who are dealing with um, very high levels of stress what would you say is a good easy hack that someone could do as a person to try and get close to nature if, but they're time limited
1: Find a find a green space near where you live, um, and leave your phone at home. Ah, wow, well, that's good. Yeah. Just leave your phone at home. Um, if you if you walk around your local woodland or you walk around your local park, you do not need your phone. Yeah. Unless you're a doctor on call. Yeah. You do not need your phone. <laughs> yeah. find, the, the social media and and, and every, everything, you know, is a um, a constant distraction. It's a it's a it's a real sore point for everybody's lives I think mm-hmm. social media if you allow it to be mm-hmm. um, I think the best way to to detach from sort of that that again I'll go to that kind of overstimulation of social media and technology it's to simply leave your phone at home and walk around the green space it's just yeah. as, it's as simple as that yeah. go for a half hour walk or a 20 minute walk around the woodland um, or a park and just leave your phone at home yeah it will it will be especially from for, for, nowadays it's quite difficult to leave your phone at home that kind of that itch to check your pocket that your phone is there yeah just leave it at home leave it at home yeah because I, um, I I know when, when we go camping now because all I have
0: to do is look at my son like, uh, when we because my, my fortunately he's not he's, he's, uh, he's nearly four but he's not he'll watch iPad and, and, and things like that but as soon as we get to wherever it is where we're camping we set the tent up that's it. He's just out running around the tent and just mm-hmm. exploring, looking at like leaves and whatever. Do you know what I mean? He's getting right stuck in. Mm-hmm. He's not even thinking about the screen. So that's something that the last couple of camping trips that we've been on, I've just said, I oh, do you know what? I'm just going to leave my phone. going to leave my phone in the tent. Because I know if my phone's in my pocket, I've not got the self discipline not mm. to check it mm. it's like it's habitual for mm-hmm. me now it's,
1: it's addic- an addiction a modern it, addiction it is yeah.
0: yeah it really is Like, it's, for anyone who's listening to this who's um, like you got this yearning to want to um, be closer to nature but they're stuck in an office but they like their office job as well mm-hmm. What what's the, the main takeaway point you'd like for someone like that um
1: and the they want to be outdoors more yeah again I would just say make some time to be outdoors, if you want to really be outdoors, you'll make time for it. Yeah. Um, if you go outdoors, you know, it will de-stress you, it will relax you, you'll have time away from, if you can be away from your phone, time away from your phone. Um, and it, it. in general, I think it just it, it, it makes you feel just so much better to be outdoors. You know, we 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 come from the outdoors, we're meant to be as human yeah. beings, we're meant to be outdoors, yeah. we're meant to be like interacting in the outdoors, we're mm-hmm. not meant to be in front of computers stimulate or just stimulated continuously. Yeah. We're not meant to, we're meant to be up at dawn going to bed at dusk, yeah. whatever time that yeah. is. Yeah. Um and even nutrition wise, you know, we're supposed to be eating things that a seasonal foods and stuff like that so if you add that to the bigger picture having everything together at our fingertips 24 hours a day um is gonna just create a cycle of stress and anxiety and since social media has become such a huge aspect of our lives where there's a an action there is a reaction so people uh, are yes being more connected again and more disconnected at the same time so yeah. in that reaction of being disconnected people are going back into the outdoors they're, they're going into a place where subconsciously they know that is a place of de-stress it's a place of like harmony and yeah. intelligence and wisdom and we deep now we know that that's where we need to go back to that's why so many people are just making that change and going back into the outdoors because yeah. of the overstimulation of social media and the the the, the desire to always have something to gain something to be somewhere um, materialism to always achieve have to achieve yeah. um, and the pressure to achieve to have money to have home to yeah, have children yeah. to have a family to have friends to look good to eat well to have a good body I mean all that kind of stuff yeah. it's social media is all based around what how you use it and how you perceive social media I believe um. So you could use social media completely different to, to yeah,
0: how definitely. I use it. Yeah. some Someone's relationship with food. Yeah. It's like dietary habits. My dietary habits are going to be completely different to yeah, you. That's a really good point, actually. Like uh, the way everyone uses social media is completely different. It's definitely. very, it's very independent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And again, it's just all a matter of perception. Um. And if I, th- I think it's a matter of just cutting back from social media I mean there's apps on your phone like your iPhone where you can find out how long you've spent on each certain app and it's pretty shocking if you I mean I haven't used it yet I just heard it on another podcast that you can do it but um,
0: something that absolutely shocked me um, admittedly I do work on my phone as well but I know a lot of that is dead time Hmm. last week I got an average daily phone use yeah of five and a half hours wow that is.
1: Does that say what what
0: what um you was on like, I, 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 I didn't want to look. To be honest, um, I I was disgusted with myself. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if
1: you're using it for work, then. Yeah, no.
0: And no, admittedly, I, 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 admittedly, I, I do use it for work. Yeah. But I, I know there's at least a couple of hours there that, that aren't work. Yeah. And it's well, what am I doing with that time?
1: Yeah, it's just scrolling. Yeah. You're just scrolling, and it's you're not really. Yeah you know taking in information you're just kind of observing information and the passage of information definitely um and it's escapism as well that's yeah. all it is do you know what i mean it's escaping mm. i know
0: it is for me like when i feel a tendency to look on there i might be procrastinating i might have a particular job or phone call or an email i need to send that i'm putting off because i'm a little bit scared
1: about sending it mm. so i'll just do a bit of escapism do you know what i mean yeah yeah totally and and getting outdoors and getting into nature and like trying to just I guess present is maybe the right word just oh, just yeah. bringing it back yeah. back to yourself a little bit yeah being a bit more present in the outdoors if, if, I, if I take people hiking or walking or we, we, we lead an expedition of some sort there's always an element of you know, I've, I've been on trips before where I've taken people's phones away from them and put them in our nice. like tupperware boxes nice. and stuff like that nice. Nice. unless they're a doctor on call yeah. but um yeah. it's and that's pure reason even if like and, and I've given them throwaway cameras I'm like if you want to take a picture here's a five pound Kodak throwaway camera yeah. use that yeah and then you've got yeah. 27 pictures on that so you have to think about now you haven't got um
0: so um how am I going to start this um so slight technical error I'll probably cut this off anyway um so thanks a lot Ian for coming along today mate um some Excellent content there. I can't wait to listen back to get those nuggets of information that you've been dropping in there as well. Um, so, anyone who's listening to this and is inspired by your journey in, into being outside and began on these expeditions and wants to follow you on future expeditions, where can people find
1: you? Um, there's my website, which is www.IanE, the letter e, Um, Instagram is the same, Ian E. Finch. Uh, Twitter exactly the same alright nice that's really yeah, good it's pretty straightforward that's consistent yeah it's really yeah.
0: good my, my, um, I, I probably could uh, learn a lot from that <laughs> my social media is not like that but um, yeah so, so same again for me so t- takeaway point for me is implementation so you can listen to these podcasts time and time again you can listen to my podcast anyone else's podcast and not do what people are telling you to do or taking these actions and you're not going to get any result. So if nothing changes, nothing changes. So small little actions every day uh, will help you to overcome what challenges that you're going through. So um, once again, if you do need any help um, dealing with any issues that you're uh, we've been speaking about today, don't forget to check out my, uh, my website um, as well. So www.hittingtargetsltd.com. And if you've got any questions, anything you need help with, just send me an email at admin at